morning, everybody. Good morning. I am uh, this year going to turn 37. Okay? Some of you are thinking, please don't, why is this 37-year-old preaching at me? <laughs> what right does he have? I've been living quite a bit longer than him, whatever it may be, uh, whether it's 10 years, 20, 30, or uh, 40, 50 plus years. There are, there are people in this room that have lived nearly uh, 55 years longer than I have, so what does he know that I haven't learned already in this life? And to be honest with you, I don't know. I just take what I've learned and, and what the gospel has to tell us, and I try to provide a service every Sunday morning in, in giving you a different way to look at it and trying to understand our own lives better and God's mind a little bit better, too, in the process through His Son, Jesus Christ. And I hope that that helps. Being almost 37, that means that I'm supposed to be approaching what? A midlife crisis pretty soon, right? So I'm supposed to be having a midlife crisis. I've got 13 more years? It depends on how you define midlife, but sometimes it starts like in the 40s, right? So what happens when you have a midlife? By the way, this seems to only affect men for some reason, right? Uh, we have to, we go out and we get a new car or something, or you know, we try to reinvent ourselves, try to recapture our youth or something. I, I, at the moment, I don't feel that way, and I hope that I don't end up feeling that way anytime soon. But we've seen it before. Right? We've seen it. People come to moments in their lives where in a drastic way they feel like the course of their life or what they have in their life or what they've obtained or what they've achieved, whatever it is, it's not enough. And so they've got to, they've got to reevaluate. They've got to change course. They've got to do something else. They've got to get more. They've got to, they've got to get more. Usually that's what it comes down to, you know? Of course, self-evaluation and reflection is very important. But... When we reach a moment in our life where we have to, where we ask ourselves or we tell ourselves what I've got isn't enough, then we're, we're really at a difficult crossroads. And this is the crossroads that the prodigal son found himself at. Certainly he wasn't old enough to be having a midlife crisis. But as we know the prodigal son, and this is the Sunday of the prodigal son, the second Sunday of Great Lent, he looked at his dad who was a pretty wealthy guy and he said, well, you don't need all the money you've got. You're going to give it to me eventually. Give it to me now, and I can use it the way that I want. And his father, being a loving man, and knowing that he could force his son not to, to do that, or he could let him exercise his own free will and learn his own lessons, he entertained this notion. I, we have to imagine that the father, being a wise man, would have known that this would not have ended up well, but he'd let him do it anyway, and this certainly echoes the way that, that God gave us free will, knowing that we would abuse it most of the time, but gave us the opportunity to learn our own lessons. So he gave him this inheritance that he wanted and said, do as you will. And so what did he do? He left. Because we have to imagine that at that moment in his life, the prodigal son just wasn't happy with where he was in his life. What he had, his lifestyle, working on the farm, being with his father and his brother, whatever it was that he felt as though he needed or wanted in his life, he didn't have it at that moment. And so he felt like he needed to leave his home, he needed to go out in the world, he needed to get all this money, and he needed to live the life that he wanted to live. Okay, And he did that. 
And we know from the story, which of course is one of the most essential and well-known stories of the Christian faith, the story about what happens to the prodigal son when he gets what he wants, right? Is it, does it make him happy? Of course it doesn't make him happy. It makes him terrible. It makes him miserable. It takes him a long time to figure it out. But when he does, he returns home to his father where his father embraces him with open arms. And, of course, that's much to the chagrin of his brother, who was the good guy that always did what his father wanted, and he felt jealousy for his father's um, mercy and love for his brother, even though he didn't deserve it. And his, his brother had problems as well. These three characters, the prodigal son, the good brother, and the father, in this story, each of them, in the depth of the, the character that is built in such a short time in this story, this parable told by Jesus Christ, can encapsulate lessons that apply to each and every one of our lives at certain moments in time. At certain moments in time, we need to be, learn the lesson of the big brother, of the good brother, that we should not be jealous of our compatriots, of our brothers, our sisters, our friends, when, when even though they don't deserve something, they've received something through grace and through mercy. We shouldn't have jealousy in our hearts because that's not Christian. Sometimes, of course, we're the prodigal son, and we're pursuing what we want, what we think we want and need, and we err fantastically, and we need God's grace and mercy, or the mercy and grace of other people in our lives to forgive us and accept us back into the fold. So sometimes we need to follow the prodigal sons, and sometimes we're even the father. We have to forgive. We have to look past the faults of the people around us in our lives and focus on what matters and the fact that we love each other and embrace them, right? Even when it's hard, even when it's difficult. We have to imagine the father in that parable, every moment that his son was away was hurting for the fact that he was out of his life and he was making mistakes and endangering himself every step of the way. And the father was in pain, and yet he didn't hold that against his son when he came back into his life, repentant. He embraced him wholeheartedly, just as he would his other son, who was good and helped him in every single way and never abandoned him. So we have to learn lessons from each and every one of these characters. And from year to year, I try to switch things up so that we can learn this story from different perspectives. Today, I want to focus on the lesson of the prodigal son and why it was that he made the choice that he did. We have to just take a second and put ourselves in his shoes as a young man, or maybe as a, a, a guy going through a midlife crisis, or somebody else that's feeling like their life is wanting or lacking. Understand, like, you know, play armchair psychologist. What was, what was going on? What was at the root of his decision? What was at the core of this huge mistake that he made in his life? It was the fact that he didn't think what he had was enough. It was a lack of contentment. It was a lack of gratitude. It was an inability to recognize the precious gifts that were in front of him the whole time. That when he went out into the world seeking something he didn't have, he could eventually understand that nothing could compare to what it was that he'd already been given by God. And perhaps he needed to learn that lesson. And that's one of the aspects of the prodigal son is perhaps not all of us are able to recognize that right away. Perhaps we have to make mistakes, and we should be thankful that we have a graceful and loving God that's willing to accept us after we've made those mistakes and we've learned our lessons. But this is the challenge that's before us, to learn that lesson before it's too late. To follow the example of the prodigal son in returning to the Father when the time has come, in recognizing how great and how beautiful the life that we've been given already is to find contentment, to find satisfaction with what we have and not with what we think we need. 
the more we pursue desires in our life to solve the question of fulfillment, the more we will grow farther away from our Father in heaven. This is one of the great lessons of Great Lent, to understand that what we have is enough. St. Paul understood this. St. Paul says in the epistles, I have learned the secret of contentment, whether in nothing or plenty. And that fulfillment and that contentment is through the strength of Jesus Christ. Today, dear faithful, this is what I want to challenge you with. Find the opportunity to be content with what you have because that is how you will know peace. This message, though it seems simple, is revolutionary in the world that we live in because the world that we live in wants us to want more. The world that we live in wants us to want more because the more we want, the more we satisfy other people and not ourselves. The more we buy their goods, the more we take what they're offering, the more we're willing to listen to what they have to say and be convinced by their argument when we want more. But that will not give us satisfaction. Satisfaction and contentment will be through Jesus Christ when we understand that what we have is enough. And so what drives us? What motivates us? What motivates us and what drives us in that sort of um, peaceful or content existence is love. What motivated the prodigal son in the end is love, the love of his father. To be embraced by his father was his motivation. And so when we attempt to find contentment in our life, don't let desire, don't let jealousy, don't let envy, don't let gluttony, don't let contempt, don't let any of these things that we confess in our lists of sins every Sunday morning in our confession, don't let these things drive us. Instead, let the thing that motivates us, our ambition, be informed by our desire to be loved by our Father in heaven, and we will find the happiness and the peace that is promised to us through the Holy Gospel and the love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.